Welcome to the Money Mitch Effect. I am your host, Mitch Michaels, and today's show is going to be a special one. Got two Billiken alumni to join me to break down some sports topics. Ryan Souls, good friend, frequent contributor on the show, is going to talk shocking to Marcus Cousins straight from Sacramento to New Orleans. Magic Johnson's takeover of the Lakers organization. And some other trade deadline news and notes from the NBA with the deadline being tomorrow. There's a lot to discuss there. Ryan's going to help me break that down. Then Steve Wenavy is going to come on the show. He's a baseball expert, another St. Louis University guy. We spoke a couple months ago going into last year's playoffs. Well, it's spring training time now, so we're going to preview the 2017 season. Look at who is going to be a contender again. Who can challenge the Cubs? Will the Indians be back? All that and more with Steve Lenovey. It's the Money Mitch Effect, and it starts right now. All right, now joining us on the Money Mitch Effect, back yet again, Ryan Souls from Chicago, where I think the weather might actually be a little nicer than out here in L.A. Ryan, thanks for joining the show again. Man, thanks for having me, and you're right, the weather is... Un, I'm going to say unseasonable for this time of year. 65 degrees this past weekend. You know, Not I've, supposed to be like that in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And it's been raining nonstop here. I think I'm about to get two of every animal and take it onto my ark. So that's where, where okay. we're at up here. I'll make sure uh, you got room for me on there. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I don't think there's that many animals out here. So I think we could definitely fit some people on there as well. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> But Ryan, let's talk about the NBA, and it's our, our first foray into this sport. It's been strictly football up until this point, but you're on the same boat as me. When the Super Bowl's over, that's when the real NBA season begins. And with that said, I think as much as we like the game, as much as we like breaking down the X's and O's, Ryan, we do like to talk about the theoretical and the real in terms of trades. And I honestly think we've seen one of the biggest trades uh, in recent history the New Orleans Pelicans acquiring Boogie, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins from the Sacramento Kings. The night of the All-Star game, Ryan, Boogie Cousins is traded to New Orleans. And the haul they got, I'll just read the details first, then we can comment on it. But it was DeMarcus Cousins and Omri Caspi's contract for Buddy Heald, sixth overall pick this past draft, Tyreek Evans, Langston Galloway, a 2017 first-round pick, and a 2017 second-round pick. Man, that is, in my opinion, Ryan, not very much for one of the top 12, 10 players in the league. I think this is awful uh, for the Sacramento Kings uh, in terms of what you give up for not getting much back in return. And like you said, I, I think DeMarcus Cousins, I think he's the top 10 player. Who knows where he could ascend to beyond this point now that he you know, has um, talent around him. But if you're Sacramento, you really just got to be looking at yourselves crazy here. Yeah, a couple of things, because I'm with you on Cousins, how well he's, he's played this year and how much talent he has. 12 is the, is the bare minimum. He's probably a top 10 player. Uh-huh. If you're New Orleans and you have, I want to start with them first. You have Anthony Davis, right? You have a guy that's arguably even better than Cousins in this league, or, or at the very least on par. You've heard the narrative being that you need to surround him with talent. You're wasting his career. You're wasting his prime. Ryan, they pulled this trade off. So say what you want to say about Davis and, and the New Orleans front office, but they got another top player. That is remarkable to me, and I give them all the credit in the world. They they parted with some pieces that were definitely worth sacrificing, and they got a guy in Boogie Cousins who can play 
you know, play alongside Anthony Davis, Ryan, this is two 20 and 10 players on the same team. Hasn't happened since Duncan and Robinson. Absolutely. You know, and I, I think we'll get into how, you know, it, all, it works out on the court later. But I just think this says a lot to Anthony Davis to me by the Pelicans saying that, hey, we know you're in your prime. We know the perception of things around here. We know the reality of things around here, looking at the roster. And we're committed to you. And we're going to get you who we think is, uh, like you said, a bare minimum, minimum top 12 player. And we're going to see if we can go out there and challenge Golden State. Yeah, I mean, the future looks bright for New Orleans now acquiring this deal. Davis off the heels of a all-star performance where he, really for the ages, where he won the MVP, he broke Will Chamberlain's scoring record. I know the game's inflated now, but, Ryan, I like that in theory. You know, you win, the winning all-star game MVP gets to pick which all-star he gets to steal away from another team. I think that's a nice wrinkle that they should have. I think that's a really nice wrinkle, too, and I think that would make All-Star Weekend a lot more interesting if that was the wager from year to year. I mean, imagine if you get into a locker room where it's everybody except Westbrook, and they're like, guys, we can't let him win this MVP. We can't let him win. <laughs> yeah. So I think it'd be fun, for sure. But, all right, the Sacramento side, before we bash how awful this deal was, and I don't think it was very good, just to play devil's advocate for a second, Ryan, I don't know if there was that golden goose out there that they could have gotten a better deal. I know we can get into the semantics of should they have even traded him, should they have traded him now or ever, but if they're going to make this deal before this deadline, if Boston's not willing to participate, if the Lakers aren't throwing in Ingram, I don't know. I, I just don't know if there was a better deal out there. Well, Mitch, I'll say this. We, we rarely vehemently disagree, but I'm going to strongly disagree with you on this one because I – just on what Vlade Divac said, <laughs> that he was offered a better deal a couple days ago. So if that's the case, and, and this is the general manager saying this, why don't you pull that trigger? And yeah. then to your point, why don't you think Boston went harder to try to get it? Because if this is what Sacramento gave up and was willingly to give up and had something better on the table and didn't do that, then... Boston had, has much better than this, obviously, right. the rumor surrounding Jimmy Butler and whatnot. Right. So how come they didn't push a little harder in this? I think you answered your own question there. I think it's Butler or Paul George or maybe even Melo would be the Boston side of it. I think that's maybe why they didn't push harder. And I'm, and also, if Vladi Divac says, says it, is it true? I mean, he probably thought this deal was a great deal. <laughs> yeah. So to say he had, got a, he had a better deal could have just been wishful thinking. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not disagreeing with you in the sense that I wouldn't have traded him, and definitely not right now. I think you could have gotten this same deal in the offseason, you know, mm -hmm. right when the season ends. I just don't know if the market was there. It, it seemed very rash to me. I, I'm not, look, I like Boogie as a player, but we can, we can talk about how, whether it's true or not true, he's had a bit of a bad attitude at times, you know. And then oh, that's, absolutely. And he doesn't oh, like, debatable. Yeah, no, and he doesn't like being in losing environments, so... Okay, if you want to move on from him, if you want to go forward and just rid him of, of, your, of your locker room, basically, okay, but just be more thought out about it. I don't know, and it is a gamble, too. A team like Boston, Ryan, he comes into that locker room. They're second in the East right now with an outside chance of the finals, very outside right now. They could strengthen their team, but they could throw away all the goodwill and chemistry they've built. So I think it's, look, this is a volatile thing. It's not even a sure thing for New Orleans. And I think if you're... If you're real, real quick, just going back to the Kings, why don't you just wait up until the deadline? If you're thinking, if, if 
if you think you're going to move Boogie Cousins for this, then just wait and see if you get a better deal. Right, and Buddy Heald, I mean, I, I like what he can do, but, you know. He spent I, four years in college. Yeah, well, Tim I, Duncan was the last guy to do that who was actually something. Well, I'm not even I'm not even as, as bent on that. I understand the age side of it, but, like, he's a shooter. That's what he is. That's mm-hmm. what he does, and that's it. Boogie Cousins, you feel like you can get more from a guy that can play very, very well. And, and Sacramento's a mess, Ryan. They've been picking in the lottery uninterrupted top ten pick the last decade. What, wow. what, what can you do with that? Like, they could have the Warriors team. They literally passed on Steph Clay and Harrison Barnes. Okay. So I don't, I mean, I don't see It's two management groups. It's three or four GMs now. Boogie had six coaches. I give him a little bit of a break there. But look, we're going to see now. We are going to see. Uh, this is, you know, his excuse is out the window. We're He's, definitely going to yeah. see. And, and I think we cannot find an excuse to throw Alvin Gentry out the window. Like, this is by no means a walkover coach. And I think, like you said, there are no more excuses for Boogie Cousins. And I'm not saying that the team just needs to start winning all of a sudden. But the techs need to go down, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like he, there should be no excuse for him to hurt his team so long that they're winning. Now, if they're losing, it'll be the same thing. It is a, it's a pattern at that point, but it, it would be expected. Right. And but if they're, yeah. if they're winning, we, we shouldn't see any of this. Right, and one last thing I want to just bring up on the trade itself. The value, and it's been brought up by a couple of different sports sources, but Sacramento just bottomed out their season. So they're also banking the fact that they're going to get a high lottery pick in a deep draft. I know it's not everything, but it's basically the white flag that's going to help them get a higher pick. Yeah, that, that, that is true. We'll see how it goes. I'll laugh if they end up out of the lottery. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Well, <laughs> you, you too, you also got to look at, Ryan, the fact that my biggest knock, bigger than his attitude on Boogie, on the court, is not being in the best of shape. I mean, how many games do we watch where he dominates early and he's huffing and puffing at the end? So I think he's got to—he's got to—you right know—he's got to make a real big commitment there. But if I'm New Orleans, Ryan, I'm gunning for that eight seed. I'm gunning to play the Warriors in the first round. I know they have some matchup problems for Golden State. I don't think they'd—they'd they'd win more than a game or two, maybe in that series. But I'm gunning for the experience factor of playing oh, college basketball. Absolutely. You're gunning for the experience factor. You're gunning for the energy just to create going into next season. Uh, I think there's still a lot to play for. And the the eighth seed for a team that wasn't expected really to do much besides be, you know, an Anthony Davis highlight reel is turning into a potential playoff team. Yeah, yeah. It's, man, it's going to be exciting. I never thought the Pelicans would pull this off of anybody. But Boogie Cousins traded to New Orleans. We... (laughs) The trade deadline is off and running. It looks like it's going to be a good one this year. We, we got a big-name trade, which hardly ever happens, as I continue chatting with Ryan Souls on the Money Mitch Effect. We're recording this on a Tuesday later in the day. So that happened on Sunday night. But what happened this morning at the time we're recording this, Ryan, happened out in my neck of the woods out here in Los Angeles. The hostile family execution-style takeover of the Los Angeles Lakers, where Magic Johnson is running... President of basketball operations pretty much running everything. Jeannie Buss making those decisions. Mitch Kupchak, GM, relieved of his duties. And then Jimmy Buss, Ryan, he is not going to be doing any basketball operations either. So a lot to digest here, but the end result is Magic Johnson running the Los Angeles Lakers. Do you like this move? you think this is what's going to be a big difference maker for them? Or is there some question marks you might think you see here? 
you know, bitch, I, I like this move, but I like it for a cynical reason. And no disrespect to Magic Johnson, I think we need to, to see what he's made of and really see what he can do. But I'm just more happy that Jim Buzz is gone, more than anything. Um, they they could have put anybody in there, to be honest. You know, but I'm glad that Buzz is gone. And Magic Johnson, he gets a fresh slate. Cupcheck being gone, it's here nor there. I think he could have stayed because he did draft well. But Magic wants to start fresh, but Buzz is out the door. Hey, Ryan, before we, uh, before we continue as we keep recording here, I want to be the first. I don't know if you heard this, but we got breaking news, I should say. Oh, wow. of the team we're talking about, and that's the Lakers sending Lou Williams to the Rockets. Wow. So, or, Brewers we, contract and a first-round pick. The Rockets, I don't love that. I, I, as a Laker fan, you probably don't love it. The Rockets got a wing player to try Absolutely. to, to they get got, the They got a mini Jamal Crawford. Oh, man. Wow. Well, that hurts. <laughs> it does. I hate to hate to rain in your parade, but back to the magic thing for just a second. I think he's a very, very sharp guy, obviously business and on the basketball court. He knows the game as well as anyone that has ever played it. I don't mind him having this opportunity. I think he's shown that he takes everything serious, that he's serious about the Lakers. He wants them to be good. I just hope, Ryan, that he surrounds himself with the right basketball people. Absolutely. Uh, I don't and that's know. where these great players go wrong. Yeah, not the Laker Council of Worthy and, you know, and Kareem and Kobe. I mean, it's fine to have it's fine to have those guys in the room, but you need basketball people. And I know the GM that they're going to hire, Polinka, the agent, I should say. Who, I think he's already hired. Yeah, he's pretty much hired. And that's, look, he's another guy that has the intel that knows how the to Laker. deal with these guys, but he has a really the Laker got, tie. Wasn't he Kobe Bryant's agent? Yeah, Kobe, Harden, a few others. Um, but, okay. you know, he, he hasn't really had this job either, so there's a lot of uncertainty. But the uncertainty is a little better than what you got the last couple of years out of Bust and Kupchak. Kupchak Absolutely. signing, you know, Mozgov and Deng to that ridiculous contract. I don't know. I mean, it's worth a shot, but I, I think you need you need to have people there to help make those decisions. Magic is going to be, Ryan, a great recruiter. It's great for those meetings. It's great to Absolutely. talk to people, to entice them to come to L.A. I just want the decision-making to be, you know, a little better. Uh, but, again, I'm interested when teams try things. Obviously, it wasn't working. They're going in a different direction. So I think it could be beneficial for everybody. I will take uncertainty over certainty of failure. <laughs> yeah. Anytime. Well, yeah. And, and I can't remember. I mean, he's owned, and he's an owner of the Dodgers. He runs the Lakers, so he's stretching across all levels of sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one thing I do worry about. He's running L.A. right now. Oh, God, he runs everything. Anywhere you go in L.A., he runs. So you better watch out for that. But I, I will say this too, Ryan, and I, and I bring up the example of Jordan as the owner originally when he took over the ownership. In the NHL, you had Wayne Gretzky, the greatest hockey player of all time, who was a coach, and those guys struggled at times, two of the two goats in their sport, because it was harder for them to relate to people that aren't as good as them. So I do wonder if, will Magic see the basketball light in the greatness light that he played the game, and will that hurt him not being able to understand you know, how the whole the team and how the role players fit? Because remember, he wasn't a great head coach in his short stint that people often forget about. So can he adapt and can he work through all lenses of the spectrum, not just his all-time great playing lens? Absolutely. Time will tell. It will. But what an interesting Thanksgiving and Christmas it's going to be this year at the Bus Family, huh? 
Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> that, those are gonna make for some uh, some food fights, I'm sure. Right, like could you pass Gene? Could you pass me the uh, steak and not stab me in the back with the knife? <laughs> uh, wow, but all right, you know that's that's interesting. And, and back to the trade itself, Ryan. We thought Lou Williams would be a big trade piece. I, I think it was only a matter of time before the Lakers dealt him. Obviously, not wanting to lose that top three protected pick for in the final year before Philly gets it. But Houston, they make their move, and I don't blame them because they want them, San Antonio, and the Clippers are gunning for that 2-3, you know, get to the conference final range, and you need some offense there. Lou Williams is, is one of the most, was one of the best and most cheap and affordable assets at the deadline. Absolutely, and I, I think this could pay dividends for Houston. It could, and the Lakers, I know you're not, you're not happy with the Hall, Ryan, but it's something. Brewer's not terrible. They're just trying to conserve some cap space and, and really build in the draft. We'll see. The, the future starts. You know, the new era of the Lakers starts today. For better or for worse, we're going to remember this day for a we very are. long time. We are. All right. Ryan Soul's Money Mitch Effect. Before we you know, talk about the rest of the trade deadline of the NBA, because they have about four or five days off, I want to get your thoughts, Ryan, on the, on the All-Star Weekend itself. Let's just get this out of the way first. The game is, is getting worse and worse each year. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. 200 points almost from both teams. It's just play three-on-three, three, get ice cubes, ideas, and just blow it up. Now, I've heard some things. I've heard you know, one idea I think Kerr was talking about where you play for a bonus that is paid for by the losing players. Well, that could be something right there. That could definitely be something because... Players don't like messing with money, and you no, make it enough. Arenas. Um, you make it enough. This could be more competitive than a regular season game. Right, and I know the defensive side of it. No one wants to play defense. No one wants to, you know, work hard. There was that nice uh, meme online. I'm sure you saw Kawhi Leonard looking kind of sad on the sidelines, <laughs> like they don't even play defense here. But I did. I did. How about one simple fix? I think they could do change the format up. I like the idea that hockey had a few years ago. Do a draft. Just name all. And that would, and that would solve my idea of when one conference is loaded with all-stars. Loaded. You, know? mm-hmm. you just pick the, 25, you pick the 24 best. You name two captains based on seniority or whoever's hosting. And you just pick your squad. I think that would be a fun thing. I think that would be fun, too. And I think that would be – because you have a lot of personalities in the NBA. And I think that would just – that would be cool having team captains. Uh, and it kind of fell with the Pro Bowl, but I think the NBA could take those weaknesses and turn them into strengths. Yeah, and I also think too, Ryan, I mean, maybe it's just basketball being all different, but you want to see guys from different conferences play with each other. You know, football's yeah, a little I different, agree. but that's what I look at it as. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. But I would just say the weekend overall was flat. It was. And I would say too, we talk about the dunk contest. We're lifers with that, Ryan. I thought last year it was just a random, you know, it was an outlier. It was a breath of, it was a breath of fresh air. That's really what it was. Right, but I wasn't expecting a bunch of good ones. It was a great one, but it, I, that's not the norm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think what You're we right. saw this year was probably the norm. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. It's just, at a point, it's just how many more props can you add? Yeah, and I, and I don't, you know, I, I know Glenn Robinson, the third one, congratulations to him. And uh, Jones, the guy from the Suns. I mean, he was he's a great dunker, but he was called up from the D-League, right? I, I don't want to see guys I don't know. I mean, I <laughs> think that's where I I'm agree at 100%. there. I You know, I, I want to see some more prominent names, not to 
get into that age-old debate about should stars be in the dunk contest, but at least have a field of guys we know, you know. So um, that's my thing there. Three-point shooting, it's good to see. Porzingis winning the skills was nice. Uh, that was the best part of the weekend. It was. I'm, I'm liking the Renaissance skills, uh, the big men dominating. I think the guards got to go back to the drawing board. Absolutely, they really do. And I think it's just the, the merging league with these stretch fours and these big men with, with three-point range. And it's just it's, it's showing the evolution of the NBA. It is, and they can really run. I think that's the thing. You watch Porzingis, you watch Carl Anthony Towns, who won it last year. Those guys uh-huh. can move, so I'm excited to see where the game goes. Uh, I do want to get back, Ryan, to the trade deadline itself. That was uh, I mean, the Williams trade, the most recent one, Cousins as well. There's still some big names that are rumored to be out there. You, you add in Ibaka going to the Raptors that kind of tied up their cap space and forced their hand. I got to talk about the Boston Celtics because there's no better team, Ryan, in the NBA with assets to trade than the Celtics. Do you think they make a mega deal? I I don't know if they'll make a mega deal, but I definitely think they'll make a splash. Like you said, they have way too many assets now. If landing somebody like Carmelo Anthony, if you can, we consider that mega with the rosters they have, perhaps. But you know, if they end up with someone like Jimmy Butler. Or, or, you know, a player of that caliber, I wouldn't be surprised. It's such a gamble because you have a team that's built to be good for a long time with all these young players and a good culture and, and the draft picks, Brooklyn's picks from that abomination of a trade. But I keep coming back to, Ryan, there's no certainty. If you have a chance to get a Jimmy Butler, a Paul George, maybe Carmelo Anthony would be the third on that list. It's hard to pass that up because if you add a player like those three, Ryan, without really giving up a lot of your players, I think they could challenge Cleveland right now. If they get one of those three guys, I think they could definitely challenge to get to the finals. I think so as well because they would really be strong at the key positions you need to get to the finals. Yeah. So, yeah, if they could do something like that, that would, that would be huge. I mean, you have Isaiah who can go one-on-one with Kyrie, and then that's almost a wash there when both are on. You get a perimeter guy, that's what you need. A guy on the perimeter to, to D up a little on LeBron in Butler's case and, uh, you know, put some offense in there. Horford is a player, too. Look, I think they have these draft picks, right, Ryan? And Jimmy Butler is the one guy that I would trade Brooklyn's pick that could even be as high as number one in the draft. There's no guarantee. I mean, the percentages tell you that you have about a one in three chance of a guy being better than what Jimmy Butler is producing right now. I know it's a lot, but if you can get him, I would absolutely pull the trigger, trade away the top draft pick they have. Absolutely. And, you know, I would, and I'll ask you, I would pull the trigger on any of those three guys, say Car- Carmelo, Paul George, Butler. I think any of those three guys would make you Eastern Conference, if not finals contenders, immediately. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I think Butler is the youngest, and yeah. I think he has the most upside. But so, I think Paul George or Melo might actually fit better for them. I would say one thing with Melo, and I'm not trying to bash him that much when I say this. I wouldn't trade the Brooklyn pick for him, and I'm pretty sure Boston wouldn't trade the Brooklyn pick for him. He's about five years older than the other two guys, and I just don't know that he... And the money is already outrageous with him. He's already into his max deal. The other guys aren't. You're right. You're right. I, I think they would trade for him if the Knicks are willing to trade for maybe Boston's pick or you know some expiring contrast, tra- contracts. A guy like Jay Crowder, Ryan... He's going to have to be part of the deals, and I think he's a really good player. I think he is, too, but yeah, I mean, 
they got to give up him if they want to make some noise. You know, Avery Bradley is another guy in a young contract. I just think Boston's a play. And, and I would say, I wouldn't say coin flip, I'd say about 40% chance they're able to land Butler, George, or Anthony. I think it's close. I really do. I think it's going to come yeah, down to that. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I just want to play, you know, the other side of the fence on this one, Ryan. Bulls, Pacers, uh, Knicks. I guess they're all separate. But in the Bulls case, would you start the rebuild now? I mean, it hasn't looked good. You're, you're in Chicago. You're in the front line. You see how bad it is and how the narrative is on how poor the front office is doing. Would you would you abandon ship right now and, and start over from scratch? Yeah, I don't know if I could abandon ship right now because they had they had the opportunity with cap space and whatnot to abandon ship in the summertime. So why would you blow it up by trading your best player away? At this point, that might be all you can do if you want to really try to make moves to blow it up. But I think Jimmy Butler, to me, is a player that you build around. I think he's not going to be the superstar, but he is a player that you can build a team as a part of a nucleus. And I think that that front office is taking that for granted. And I don't know, you know, draft picks are huge. You know, those are always the unknown. But in the NBA right now, with the exception you know, of a few players, Chicago wouldn't would give up Jimmy Butler maybe for, you know, 15 other guys. But the guys who play his position, there's not too many guys right now. I don't know who they would give up for. Ryan, I just think he's going to want out. You know, I think it's like the Cousins thing. Oh, maybe I agree they, with that. I'm maybe, on the full side. Yeah. No, and, and I just think maybe Sacramento waited too long with Cousins. And the and the offers weren't there. If you're gonna if you're gonna start over, maybe you know you start right now. I agree. Butler is a great player, and his defense makes him very valuable. I just think at this point in the game, not sure where you are, what your identity is. If there was ever a time to hit the reset button, given what you could get a top three pick, you know, in this loaded draft, maybe right. it is right now. Obviously, I think the Knicks would want to start over and would want to get Mel off the books, and I do think that. Mel would waive his no-trade clause. I know he loves living in New York, but Boston's not that far away. You know, he could still stay in that region of the country, and he'd have a chance to win right now and rewrite a lot of those narratives that have been written about his basketball legacy. And I think if you're mellow, you try to jump at that chance, but we'll see. Yeah, and Paul George, look, Indiana's fascinating, Ryan. I don't know any other team outside of the Pacers that are on the fence about being buyers or sellers. They could give up George. Or they could add a big name they player. They could add two George. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what the legend does. I'm excited for the Larry Legend Magic Johnson trade talks now. They could deal with each oh, other directly. They could. They could be uh, extend their rivalry beyond yeah. farther beyond the court. I. You know what? The game is. Uh, it's adding new faces, but some old ones are are remaining are remaining prominent in Absolutely. in the game's uh, etching its new history. Well, Ryan, before I let you go, talking to Ryan Souls on the Money Mitch Effect. Trade deadlines on Thursday, NBA season. Uh, you know, you got the power structure that could be coming and going depending on who does what. Any other teams out there you think should and maybe will make some deals? I think Cleveland needs to make a move. Uh, I don't know what they're going to move for, but I think they definitely need to make a move uh, for anything not to hear LeBron James in the media anymore. Please, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
But I, I definitely think they need to make a move, considering, and I mean, in all seriousness, Kevin Love, J.R. Smith being injured, you need somebody maybe to re- rely on later going into the playoffs, so especially when those guys come back, they may need some time to get settled into the team again. So I definitely think Cleveland needs to make a move, and then Detroit would be uh, that second team. And it'll, it'll be interesting to see what Detroit does also. Yeah, I think Detroit is is a is a special case. They have that superstar post player, but you got to keep him happy. Sacramento found that out the hard way. For Cleveland's sake, it's their chance to to do something with that roster spot and that trade exception. But here's the other thing with that, Ryan, that I don't think people are talking about a lot. I don't think teams are are necessarily in a rush to help them anymore. Like they're the defending champs. They have all these players. I don't know that they're going to have teams that are going to do them favors, so to speak. That's a good point. That is, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. You're right. I'll say, you know, the rumor out there, the Pacers maybe if they keep George and try to you know sign him, they're looking at Oka, they're looking at Okafor on Philly. That could be good. I like Julio Okafor on that team. I mean, he he ran to the numbers game on the Sixers, but pairing I think with that George. Could be good, but can they beat Boston even with that? No, I mean they're building towards next year and going forward because yeah. you look at like the Wizards. That's a team to me, Ryan. If the Wizards add another guard. You know, someone uh-huh. to come off the bench. That's why I thought Lou Williams could go there. They could be a top three team in that conference. I mean, they're not bad. If if Beal and Wall stay healthy, Porter's looked great. I mean, yeah, add one more piece. I think there's going to be, you know, wing players every year we say that, Ryan, are, are going to be the premium. I think there's something to, to look at there if you can get a good wing player. Yeah. And uh, oh, I do want to bring this up before we wrap. Portland. If they decide, if they really do decide to abandon and get rid of Damian Willard, I would be stunned. But that rumor is out there. I would be stunned also, and I just I hope that doesn't happen. I think Portland would really never forget that because Willard is he's a, he's a special talent. He is, and that's the reason why I added the uh, draft, the players draft, to the All Star uh-huh. ideas because he keeps getting screwed out of uh, all-star spots, but C.J. McCollum keeps playing better. Maybe they think they can just get a big through a trade. I don't know. I mean, I look at it like going back to New Orleans, Ryan. You can figure out that stuff. You can figure out getting some pieces around your stars in the offseason like New Orleans needs a guard, but you have good players. You want to hang on to them as long as physically possible. You think Portland would have gone after Boogie Cousins or tried to? Lillard for Boogie? Eh. Well, I don't know if Lillard for Boogie trying to pair Lillard with Boogie if you can. Well, then you got to get rid of McComb, and I don't think they would have done that. So. Yeah, I don't think so either. That's where it ends. Well, and the, other, and the MVP of All-Star Weekend and the trade talks, Adrian Wojnarowski, man. That guy is a machine. He is. <laughs> he, wow, he is. He, he breaks news before the GMs are finished he, deciding. He's make, he is making his money. <laughs> yeah, I really think they, the GMs haven't decided. And he's already broke the stories out. Like, they're about sure. And, and Absolutely. He's, he, he, he's the fly on that wall. He is, man. Well, all right, Ryan Souls, thanks for joining the show. Appreciate you having, having you on here on the Money Mitch Effect. And next time we'll talk, we'll, we'll know where everybody went. It could, be, uh, it could be a very epic trade deadline in the NBA. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, brother. Big thanks to Ryan Souls again for coming on the Money Mitch Effect, frequent contributor to the show. Glad to talk NBA with him and glad to break that Lou Williams trade story to the Rockets. That did happen as we were recording. So with that and our all-star ideas, I think it was a good, good portion of the show. And speaking of which, it's now time to talk to Steve Wynerby out of the St. Louis area right now, originally from Baltimore, but a big baseball guy and somebody 
that has some interesting things to say, some good analysis of the 2017 season, which just is about to get going. Spring training has started. We'll look at the Cubs' chances to repeat. Will the Indians get back to the World Series? His Orioles, as well as some other teams as well that could make some noise. It's the Money Mitch Effect, Steve Lenevy. Baseball, here it is. Now joining us on the line on the Money Mitch Effect, back again. It's been a couple months, but back again, Steve Levany to talk baseball. Steve, thanks for joining the show. Not a problem. Thanks again for having me. The last time we talked was before last year's playoffs. Hard to believe the season's about to start again. And it was the Chicago Cubs winning the World Series, but it's been a busy offseason, to say the least. There's been a lot going on, and before we get into whether the Cubs can repeat who can make a run, Steve, I know you followed the offseason pretty thoroughly. What were some of, in your opinion, some of the biggest storylines, some of the most fascinating storylines in the baseball hot stove season? So one of the ones that I was really following is just the White Sox deciding to go completely for the rebuild. And they did that through the way of two trades. One was trading Chris Sale to the Red Sox, and then the other was trading Adam Eaton out to the Nationals. And I think they got a pretty decent haul. Now, they still have Jose Quintana that they'll likely trade away during the season, but I think they're really setting themselves up. I expected, based on what had happened, Sale to go, but you're right, Eaton, that was one that really signaled the white flag, and and I think maybe, I mean, maybe it was just me from the outside looking, and I thought they would take a step back, get prospects for Sale, but you're right, they went full rebuild, and that is a little startling. Yeah, and Eaton has really been, over the past few years, he's really emerged as one of the most underrated players in the game and he's going to be a fantastic addition for the nationals and the haul they got for him with lopez and giolito they're quite good pitching prospects and they're in terms of the white Sox farm they're some of the best pitching prospects now what they got for sale is a guy yoan mancada who is not even a fringe rookie of the year candidate um, i think He's probably my leader in the clubhouse at the moment before the season as a guy who's probably going to win Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the White Sox see the writing on the wall that they're not ready to contend just yet, and they did, you know, are an old-school rebuild. They're going to trade away their best players, get a bunch of prospects, hope to build through the draft and through their farm system. I think the flip side to your point, Steve, is that there are teams that are just going for it now, Red Sox being one of them, with the sale trade with other moves, the Indians who we'll get to in a second. I almost think, too, they're comparing themselves to this Cubs team that is loaded at a lot of positions. You saw the Cardinals get fouler. I, I think a lot of teams are thinking we need to revamp if we really want to contend with that Chicago club. Yeah, Chicago's going to be a tough team to contend with. They really are. Because they really didn't get worse during the offseason. They're getting Kyle Schwarber back for a full year, especially what after he did in the World Series which I thought was incredible to just not play for half a year, come in there and be a legitimate legitimate force in the World Series. Also taking a flyer on Wade Davis with that trade with the Royals, which, yeah, Davis's numbers have gone down a little bit in the past few years, and there's some injury concern there. But if you can get Davis for that situation, that's fantastic. And I just wanted to say about Schwarber, I know it's funny, people were... We're criticizing Fox and Joe Buck for bringing it up a lot, but we literally had never seen that before. A guy get his first hit in the World Series of all season. Yeah, and 
and of course, everybody has their concerns with, with Joe Buck and <laughs> yeah. them really trying to push some storyline. But it was it was unreal. And the Cubs are a scary team. They're probably still the scariest team in baseball. But there's a lot of other teams that I think are going to challenge them this year. Teams like the Dodgers, the Nationals, even the Indians again, I believe. Yeah, I do want to kind of focus more on the Cubs going into this season. You know, Steve, that uh, the 108-year curse was was broken. It almost seems now that the pressure is off. You know, I, I don't know if that makes them more dangerous, but this is a young team that wasn't really thinking about the pressure going into the going into the playoffs. They dealt with some adversity. I almost think that in a way they're a little scarier because they don't have to worry about breaking that streak again. I think it is, and I think it helped that they won when they were young because maybe they they didn't have those agonizing playoff defeats in the past to really get into their kitchen a little bit, and I don't know how much you want to take stock in any of that, but it appears that for, for some teams that has been a hindrance, and these guys are young, they're getting better, they have the, probably the best position player in Chris Bryant, far and away my MVP candidate for the NL. They're getting Schwarber back. The really only loss was Dexter Fowler, which was their true leadoff man. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that lineup and who's going to lead off. But I think that I was reading the other day that Madden's throwing around the idea of maybe batting Schwarber leadoff, which would be kind of crazy. Yeah. But he really does want to keep, I think he really wants to keep Ben Zober as one of these high contact guys in the middle of the lineup because it seems to work, where you really have to think if the Cubs are going to match up with how they did last year, is if that pitching if that pitching's going to make up for it. And so you have Lester and Arietta at the top, but are you going to get the same seasons from Hendricks that you had, or the same performance that you had from Hendricks that you had in the last year? And then the bottom of that rotation, is there going to be that consistency? And are they all going to stay healthy? Because they were relatively healthy for a lot of last year. No, that's a very underrated point. Uh, Hendricks, we had never seen him pitch as well. Is Hayward going to be able to rebound? I know he had an abysmal season. Uh, he is a high intangible guy in that clubhouse, but with Fowler's bat not there, they're going to need one more. But with what they have at the top of the, I mean, you, you can't really ask for more. There's always adversity. The Cubs are going to be fine. They're going to be right in the thick of things. And switching to the AL team, Steve, the Indians make the World Series. They were one game away from winning it, couldn't get the job done, but you got the sense going into the offseason that this was a young team that had chances to be there again going forward. And then they make their big free agent splash. They signed Edward Encarnacion. Do you like this signing, and do you think it signifies that the Indians are going to be back relatively soon at that World Series potential? I think the Indians know that at the moment they have a relatively short window in which to deal. And I think the Encarnacion signing is perfect just for that. He's a guy that he's not going to give you much use in the field, but he's, he's a hitter. And he's a hitter along the lines of what made Toronto so scary, what made Baltimore so scary, is that you can have a guy who will clear the bases for you mm-hmm. in a relatively short manner of time. Now, conversely, with the Cubs, what we had with the Indians last year is almost anything that could go wrong with that team, it seemed to have. And they were running out that three-person lineup they had last year during the playoffs of Kluber, Tomlin, and Bauer to where they were missing two of the best pitchers. Now, with Carrasco and Salazar back, that's a very scary team. And I think the Cats 
really out of the bag now with Andrew Miller. Everybody knows how scary Andrew Miller is now. But anybody who's seen him in the AL for the past few years known, has known that he's just been this completely dominant force. You have Francisco Lindor, who's turning into one of the best players in the game, arguably the best shortstop in the game, depending on what you think of, of Corey Sager and Carlos Correa. And then with Brantley, is he going to be healthy? And so is he going to be able to provide some of that fielding in the outfield for you? Because what we saw last year is that Tyler Nacklin made some less than stellar plays um, in the field during the playoffs last year, which I think really ended up costing them. Yeah, to get to the first point about Encarnacion, anybody that watched that World Series saw the Indians just didn't have that bat in their lineup, how bad Napoli was hitting, how bad basically everyone outside of Lindor and Kipnis toward the end of that series were hitting. So I think you need that offense, and, and it is a, a short-term win-now type of signing. He is a one-dimensional player, but it's a dimension the Indians haven't had. The biggest story here, I think, is what you said about the pitching. Carrasco and Salazar back. The Indians pitchers in that remarkable run last year were burnt out, and you don't know, again, with Hendricks, how, how likely it is that they continue to produce at that level. I'm intrigued by some of these moves, and I do think, too, Brantley, you're not sure if he's going to be healthy, if he's going to be back to what he was. I just think there's a lot to consider. I like this team. Obviously, I think there's a chance that they could get back. Francona is one of the, if not the, best manager in the game. I wonder about that bullpen, though, Steve, and I think that I hate to put on my predictor cap already, but I think that's going to be the one area that by July they're thinking about how can we strengthen our bullpen. And I think there's going to be some opportunities out there, but they really have to be certain. And I know Francona likes to use relievers in hot situations, and I'm fully, I'm fully on board with that because I think the relievers should be used more so in high leverage positions than this is the seventh inning guy. You pitch the seventh, eighth, eighth, things along that nature. But you don't want to use him up too early. No. So he did look gassed by the end of the World Series last year. And so, with the Indians playing in a division that, to be quite honest, isn't very good this year, you're going to have some teams that are in, in full rebuild mode, and then others that are just about there. I think the Royals are just about there, and I think the Tigers are just about there. So, where the Indians could potentially run away with that division pretty early, and that would give you the opportunity to give some of those relievers some rest. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see. I do like Miller in that long relief role. Some optimism going into this season yet again for the Indians as I chat with Steve Levine on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, Steve, you're a Baltimore guy. The Orioles had that dramatic loss to the Blue Jays in the wildcard playoff game last year. Yeah. Do you think the Orioles will be able to bounce back? I mean, there's look, the AL East, there's a lot of turmoil in it. We're not sure exactly who's going to be where in the pecking order. But how do you feel about the Orioles' chances going into 2017? Not great. I will say, I was listening back to the last time that I was on the show, and I was really enthusiastic about having Baldo Jimenez pitch in the wild card game. In hindsight, I don't know what I was thinking, because when I did see him pitch in the wild card game, uh, it didn't end so well. Um, Zach Britton on the bench, and I think Twitter has has taken that to its logical end point now. They have a lot of hitting, and it's the same situation they've had for the past few years is they get these guys who who are some of the more early to late nineties, early two thousands signings, where it's these guys who can just mash and they can't really do a whole lot else. Mark Trumbo, 
the window for the Orioles is closing incredibly rapidly. Their starting pitching is suspect. Kevin Gossman and Dylan Bundy. The ceiling is still high for them. The starters after that, it's kind of a mishmash of Wade Miley, Lo Jimenez, and some other guys that you really don't want to see on a mound every five days. And then they're they're depending on that bullpen again. The bullpen's still very strong. I'm never really handle the projections for the O's because the past few years they've always performed them, but eventually they've got to come back down to earth. I think this is the year, and especially in the division, the Yankees getting better, and I think that the O's, this will be a year where I don't believe they're going to make the playoffs. And with that, they have to ask, and I know one of the, the questions really swirling around the Orioles right now is, are you going to sign Manny Machado? Mm-hmm. He's two years out from his contract. They haven't engaged serious talks yet, nothing's moved, and I'm wondering that if it comes June and you're so far out of the race, do you potentially take trade offers for them? And as an Oriole fan, that absolutely devastates me, but you have to think realistically about these things. Yeah, I would say the one thing to kind of be a little optimistic with about the Orioles, Steve, is that there's a couple teams in your position that we're not sure where they're going to be and if the, if the luck's going to run out, and, and I do think, too, that you mentioned outperforming your predictions or projections for the Orioles every year. I think they're one of the underrated teams at the deadline of kind of tweaking the roster, getting better, maybe making that move to to get them into the playoffs. But, you know, I, I'm with you in the sense that you wonder about the pitching. You, you wonder, you said Jimenez, we, we mentioned in jest how it wasn't obviously the best scenario to have to trot him out for a game, but the options just aren't there. I... I I'm torn on this Orioles team, too, because you mentioned last time especially how good they are at mashing, how many big bats they have in their lineup, but can they win those big games playing small ball? I don't know. I'll say this as we segue into the AL East. I think Toronto is going to take a step back. I may be in the minority there, but I think the Blue Jays are in the same boat as the Orioles going into this season. And I agree with you, but what Toronto still has is good starting pitching. They have Aaron Sanchez. They have Marcus Stroman. And they still have some of the, the fearsome lineup depth that they've had previously. And with a lot of the projections that you've seen online, that 2 3 4 spot behind the Red Sox is a mix between the Yankees, the Jays, and the Orioles. And you have all three of these teams with some pretty significant holes. And I think Toronto is not going to be the team to, to get the wild card ultimately. But I still think. They'll probably be over 500. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with you that um, we're going to take a step back. Yeah, and I look at, obviously, the Red Sox. We'll talk about them. They're projected to win the division, and deservedly so. I don't want to be a, pe- a complete pessimist here, Steve, but I think the hitting side of things, their bats went really cold, a lot of their young bats, in that Cleveland series. I wonder if they're going to bounce back. You know, I wonder if they're going to need to address that, if they're going to need to find another guy in, in the trade deadline. Because I, I looked at Bradley especially, and, and Betts to his extent too. Those guys just didn't hit in the playoffs. Yeah, and they really didn't. But I just can't foresee it happening again, especially traditionally good the Red Sox have been. Right, and I don't know too to kind of go off another team in that division, Steve. I just don't know if the Yankees are quite ready. I mean, I know the pieces are, are nice. They've arguably got the best farm system that they've had in a long time, but I, I think they might still be a year away from really being a playoff force. 
I don't know that they're ready to make that wild card leap just yet. They have a lot of these guys who are kind of in the vein of the other AL East teams where they're they're young mashers and they really can't do all that much else. They even signed Chris Carter the other day away from the Brewers. And it's going to be weird to see how that goes for them. But ultimately, I still think they're about a year or two out. But they are going to be very scary in the very near future. So I want to quickly, as we move along to division talk with Steve Levine on the Money Mitch Effect, talking baseball 2017 season, quickly about the AL Central. We talked about how it's the Indians division to win, and it may be the surest division pick in baseball this year. Are you looking at the rest of these teams? I know we see White Sox and Twins as rebuild, but you're not high, I guess, either on the Tigers or the Royals? No, I'm really not. There are teams that I expect in middle around 500. The Royals, I, I think their time's really run out. And it would be wise to to really think about this rebuild now. And I know that some of their guys are coming up on contracts, sort of like the Orioles are. So they make, may make one last push this year, but after that I think they're going to go into full rebuild because I just don't know with a team of that market size if you can pay all of those players that they've had on the team. And with the Tigers, they had so many questions in that bullpen it's I mean and you've seen that bullpen for a number of years yeah it's it's absolute fire so (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's not pretty to look at and I think the only one I would I would say Royals I'd give more lenience to because they've won it before but yeah I mean there there's a lot of question marks with both these teams and that's how the baseball landscape is especially in 2017 when you're not sure you go the rebuild route you you look towards a couple years down the road We've seen it work, and, and I brought those teams up. I know we already had mentioned the AL Central being the Indians division, Steve, but with what we think about not only the AL Central but the AL East, I go down to the West division, and this could be a division that gets multiple wildcard teams. I think that's in play. I can't remember a 1-2-3 situation in the AL West that's been as deep as what we're probably going to see going into 2017. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. You have a couple of teams, and Really, every team but the A's has a legitimate shot for a playoff spot. Even the Angels, as they've kind of been the past few years, I don't think you can ever count on a team with Mike Trout just because he's quite the best baseball player of the generation. Yeah. But at the at the top of the division, I expect it to be the Astros, either the Mariners or the Rangers. I understand that would be the Rangers taking quite a big step back, but I just think the Astros, their lineup has gotten even better. Looking at the Angels, Steve, uh, last year was just everything that could go wrong did go wrong. It was really the season from hell for that team. So it wouldn't be as surprising, especially with a player like Trout, for them to contend for a wild card spot. I would say, too, that Astros team them not making the playoffs last year, they point directly to their head-to-head record with the Rangers. I think it was something along the lines of like 3-19 and 19 or something just terrible. They could not beat their in-state rivals. I think that changes this year. And honestly, Steve, I mean, we all talk about how when would be when would be the Mariners' year to make a move, but if you look at just rosters, they got a chance, good chance as anyone in that division based on the talent, top to bottom, hitting, pitching, starting in bullpen. Yeah, the Mariners really look to be a fun team this year. They added Gene Segura, and that should help shore up that shortstop position for them. 
and you expect a bounce back from Felix Hernandez this year, and if they can get even remotely good production out of Smiley and Gallardo, um, I wouldn't trust Gallardo at all. I haven't watched a full year of him. It should be that should be a pretty close division, and I think the Mariners will probably squeak in with the wild card this year. So I'm I'm projecting a Mariner playoff berth. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that on that uh, prediction, but it, it's always dangerous when you say Mariners in the last couple of years because they've been everybody's darling, you know, everybody's darling going into the season and just haven't gotten it done. I do want to switch now though to the National League and, and the NL East, Steve. Which look, it's the Nationals division, and we can say a lot of criticisms about that team, but it, they are trying. You can't take that away from them. Are you buying the hype that now? This is a legitimate World Series contending team. I mean, we've said that for a couple of years, but are things going to change this year? I definitely think the moves that they made helped. Where the Mets could challenge that is if that pitching stays healthy for the Mets. Because if you look at the Mets starting rotation, I don't think you can name a better one in baseball. But the problem is, is you can't project all of those guys to remain healthy. And so I think that's where they're ultimately faltered down the line to the Nationals. You still have the Phillies in rebuild mode. You have the Marlins not sure what they're trying to do and then you have the Braves who are are in that same vein of rebuild as well but I think that the Braves especially with Dansby Swanson are going to be good in the uh, relatively near future two three years out look for the Nationals the moves they they made I'm with you they helped they helped what they're trying to do and that's go for it all this year you have Bryce Harper you have the bats in their lineup you have a lot of good, good, talented players there. I, I think the Mets, the thing that's interesting with them is, as great as their pitching is, you wonder, they're, they're one injury away. They're one you know, player going on the DL and that rotation away from suddenly being the team that we saw with no bats in the lineup that really struggled to produce runs. The Marlins, though, Steve, could be that wild X factor. You, you said it yourself, not really sure what they are. Mattingly has done a good job in regular season baseball the last couple of seasons. This could be a team that if... Some injuries happen, some setbacks happen across the playing field. I could see them maybe challenging for a wild card spot. If their pitching was to hold up, but I really can't trust Chen Volquez and Straley to anchor them, <laughs> yeah. anchor that starting rotation. Unfortunately, what happened with, with Jose was a tragedy, and if he was still in it, we could, I mean, things would be a little bit different, but that, that starting pitching lineup as it is, is I don't think it could compete. Yeah, that's... Uh, it's a team to kind of be on the lookout for. I wouldn't give them a high chance, but you never know, especially in this game. And then, hey, Steve, how about uh, quickly on the Braves? you, you got to give credit to uh, Bartolo Colon for outlasting their old stadium. I mean, he's been in the league longer than that stadium's been around, so got to really give credit there. And I, I, I love Bartolo Colon. <laughs> I think a lot of baseball fans really do. The guy just cares. I mean, it's fun to watch him out there pitching, and especially at his age, hasn't really lost a lot of velocity on uh, his fastball especially. All right, Steve, let's talk about the NL Central. We mentioned the Cubs. We mentioned how it's their year again, potentially. But this division seems to be revamped. And we'll start with St. Louis. The Cardinals adding Dexter Fowler. They had one of their worst seasons in recent memory. I say that as a team that, you know, was average being one of their worst seasons in recent memory. But with the Fowler signing, with some other moves they made to their roster, I think the Cardinals are back in contention mode this year? I would say that they were before they lost Reyes. Losing Reyes was a pretty big hit, and I just don't know if 
they're going to be able to replace that production in the starting rotation. I do think the Fowler signing was fantastic. I thought it addressed a huge need for them as well. And I don't know if that lineup's going to be able to match its power production that it had last year, too, because if you look at those numbers compared to what the Cardinals have done in the years past without really any changes to their lineup, um, it was kind of an outlier. And so we'll see how they'll handle that. But Dexter Fowler, a big OBP guy, he's on base a lot. I think it's going to help them as far as run production goes. But, but again, losing Alex Reyes is a bit of an issue. But again, that bullpen is is really great, and getting Brett Cecil in there is always going to help shore that up as well. Yeah, I mean, you never want to see a guy get injured, especially the throwing arm, this early in the season. But if there's a team that can overcome it with the arms they have in the pen, it is the Cardinals. Fowler gets on base, and, and I think the way the Cardinals play, how they're able to manufacture runs, I think he's going to be a, a perfect fit for this team. And then I think, you know, you look at this division, Steve, we're not really expecting a lot out of the Brewers. I think the Reds are in that same boat. Pirates, though, I wonder, because this is a team not too long ago that was making the wild card back-to-back seasons. Now, there's talent there. Cole is obviously a great pitcher, but I wonder how a team can rebound after you essentially dangle your best player in trade talks and then keep him. Exactly. And McCutcheon, I thought it was smart for him to move officially to right field. He just he can't hang in center like he was doing anyway. They're bringing Ivan Nova back which I was surprised about. And they have a potential to be a good team. I just think that division is it's a lot more of a race than some other divisions in baseball. And I don't think they have the firepower to really handle it. It's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. Now it doesn't help for the Cardinals and the Pirates, two teams we think that are gonna be better, to have to play the Cubs as many times as they do. And I think that's part of it. I mean part of making the wild card is finding a way to get to that win total and you're in uh, Hell's Kitchen, so to speak, with those teams in play. Last division to talk about, Steve, the National League West. And I do think that before we get to the Dodgers and what they're capable of doing and, and how they look again to be destined for that division title, Steve, my surprise team, my, I, I guess I wouldn't call it a surprise team, but the team I'm, I'm buying stock in to make a run and to really surprise a lot of people the Colorado Rockies, I think they're going to have a good year this year. Yes. And I was thinking that as well. They, they certainly have the lineup for it. They're going to be fun to watch. It ultimately depends on if those pitchers are as good as they think they're going to be with John Gray coming up. And then Greg Holland as, as a reliever. Oh, yeah. It'll be fun to see again as well. But the Rockies, well, I'd love to see them make a run. And I think that the people on the team, especially Nolan Arenado, are, are absolutely fantastic, and they're going to produce a ton of runs. It's going to be tough sledding in that division with the Dodgers, who may potentially be the best team in baseball, depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah, the thing about the Dodgers every year, I mean, they named, I mean, obviously Kershaw's starting again uh, on opening day, but you know this team is as solid across the board. I don't use that in a condescending term, but they can really beat you in a variety of ways, uh, and, and I think... It's almost getting to the point with you have a team like, say, in, in another sport in hockey, the Washington Capitals, where we look at the talent and we say every year this is just a good team. Now, can they make the moves in the playoffs where you have luck and different variables? That's for another time and place. But right now on the surface, I like what this Dodgers team has done. They've integrated their young players into their roster. And 
for a Rockies team to compete with the Dodgers, Steve, they are going to have to get better at, at in their pitching. I mean, it's just it's it's plain as day. But I look at that third team, the Giants, and I, I'm I'm really struggling to predict where they're going to be because it seems like every time they make a run, they have a nice year. They take that step back. They regress towards the mean. So I think this is going to be an interesting three-team race. It should be. I just think that Giants team, that offense, is so anemic that it's hard to project where they could potentially be. The Dodgers, I thought that was a very apt comparison to the Cavs that you made. And a lot of the Dodgers' success is ultimately going to depend on whether the rest of that rotation can stay healthy. So you have Kershaw, who's who's got beat up a little bit in the past few years, and so you're seeing his durability go down. Is Richel going to perform again? Are you going to get production out of Shinjun Ryu, Brandon McCarthy, Kenta Maeda? You look at these pitchers down the list, and that's a fantastic lineup of arms that you have. But are they going to be healthy, and are they going to be able to produce? Right, and it's like the, I guess to say with the Capitals theme, Steve, it's like what can the Dodgers do to determine whether this season's a success until the playoffs, right? Yeah, and I think a lot of it is going to be controlling innings for a lot of these guys. These are, a lot of these guys have not put in serious innings the past few years, so you may want to control them. And if you can, if you're if you're taking that division significantly in hand by late July, early August, or even middle of August, I think you can start messing around with your, your lineup a little bit uh, to give a lot of those guys to rest to where going into the playoffs, you can use them as you really like and they want it to be gassed. Yeah, certainly can. Well, Steve Levin, before I let you go, let's go round the horn just playoff picks. Five teams from each. Well, we won't go all the way to the World Series, but who do you think gets in from the AL and the NL this year? So from the AL, I think it is the Red Sox. I think it's the Indians. I think it is the Astros and, and the Mariners and the Rangers. Okay, Rangers. wow. Okay. Three AL, three ALS teams. I would say, yeah, I think I agree with that. The only one I'll swap out is I think the Rangers don't make it. And, man, I said the Blue Jays will take a step back. I think they're going to get into the AL wild card game again. I don't know that they're going to win it. But I think the Blue Jays will, will sneak in there over the Rangers who, who missed the playoffs this year. But I like all those division picks as well. What about the National League? So for the National League, I think it's going to be the Nationals, the Cubs, and the Dodgers, and then for the wild card, I think it's going to be the, I'll say the Cardinals, and I think the Cardinals will play the Mets. Okay, all right, well, we're almost identical there, too. I do like this Rockies team to sneak in. I'm going with that second team over the Mets. I'll say Cardinals uh, get the wild card there, which Cardinals-Rockies would be a pretty big, exciting Exciting playoff matchup, but I think we're both on the same page too, Steve. We're just glad baseball's back. You know, it's this time of year where we're just excited to look forward to the spring and the baseball season coming back, and and really with football done, it's it's time for another big sport to get going. Exactly, and baseball it's every day. You have your pick of a dozen games every day. It's fantastic. Right, especially, and you could be a fan. Especially, I mean, not that we necessarily encourage betting, but hey, you know, there's that as well. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> All right, Steve Levity, thanks for joining the show. You're now officially a reoccurring guest. We'll have to get you back on soon. Appreciate you taking the time to talk baseball. Thanks again, Mitch.
special thanks to both guests. Just a couple Billikens making our university proud. Hopefully the basketball team can do a little better, but that's another matter for another show. But big thanks to them for joining the show, and thanks to everybody out there for listening. The Money Mitch Effect, as always, can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. As we keep grinding along in the sports season, there'll be one more show this week. I'm going to leave that out there, a surprise for who the guest is going to be. But one more show this week. Thanks again to Tim Adams for supplying the beats, Brian Nelson for the logo. Thanks again, everybody, for making this show what it is and for helping me to improve this show every week. I am Mitch Michaels. Until next time, this was the Money Mitch Effect.